3: Welcome to Good Morning Football. We are live in New York City. It is Wednesday, June 28th. We're halfway through the work week. My name is Sarah Walsh, alongside Tom Pelissero, Mike Garoppolo, Super Bowl champion Sean O'Hara. It's been a great week so far. I'm not sure if you've heard about this and I know it hasn't ever been discussed on this show before but Aaron Rodgers is a jet and so is his old offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett Peter Schrager caught up with Hackett on his podcast and that's what's kicking off our
0: lead block lead block So I think there's going to be some freedom with Aaron. And Aaron, as we moved forward in the Green Bay system, there was definitely more freedom as we went. Mm -hmm. We're going to just continue that because I think you got to take advantage of a guy like Aaron that is so smart and understands it. So uh, trying to build this thing for him and build it so that when he sees certain things, he can do um, all kinds of stuff and put us in the best position possible.
3: And that best position possible will include many former teammates in addition to Nathaniel Hackett, including two of his favorite targets, wide receivers Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. So given what we just heard from Hackett and the plethora of former Packers on the Jets roster, has the team gone too far in handing the reins over to Rodgers both on and off the field Sean
1: no absolutely not that was part of the plan you know this is like you know telling your kid that you're going to give him an Xbox and a PlayStation and you're going to move everything up into his room he's going to get his own TV he's going to have three screens but that he can't play with it whenever he wants like that's a terrible plan terrible idea so Part of bringing him in there was Rodgers is going to have the freedom and the ability to just change things and do what he wants to do at the line of scrimmage. Now, the best position possible, what, what that dictates to me is all right, as a center, I had to see what my quarterback was seeing as well. So put us in the best position possible. That's how do we attack the defense? And there's a lot of times you come up to the line and you see that they're in a defense you weren't expecting, and you've got to be able to change gears right away. You've got to be able to shift. It's like TV you've got to be able to transition, you've got to be able to go. Breaking news happens, you've got to roll. Aaron Rodgers did it a lot he's done a lot through his career and when you when you think about how many times you've seen him just walk up to the line take a quick snap and boom throw the ball out it looks like it's supposed to be a run play he did this all the time last year he did it a couple times in one of their last games and it didn't work out so there's good in the hey it sounds great when you just when it turns into a touchdown like that And it's a great play, but there's other times where it's a misfire and the guys aren't on the same page. But so many of these Aaron Rodgers throws are run plays where he just sees one-on-one coverage, and, you know what, I'm just throwing the X now. I'm going to throw the X fade. So he's got to have those liberties in order to let him take advantage of what the defense has given him. And I think that he's one of those quarterbacks that Nathaniel Hackett, one of the reasons he was pounding on the table with Robert Sala and with with Joe Douglas and with with Woody Johnson was, look, this guy – makes everybody better at the line of scrimmage. We can go no huddle. I don't even have to tell him what to do. He can go up there and see the defense and know exactly how to attack them. So that's a big part of his game right now. He's seen the, the field uh, like, a, like an assassin. He knows exactly where to go every single time. He knows where the weaknesses are. So that's a big part of it. And as long as it works out, he's great. And Nathaniel Hackett will love it.
4: He knows it all. He sees it all because he's, he's old. He's been around for a while. I mean, younger than me. I don't mean to call him old in the sense of old on this earth, but old in NFL terms, and we know where we are in his career. And the Jets know that it's a small window here, right? There's not going to be a lot of time to, well, let's teach this old dog new tricks. No, he's got his offensive coordinator that he's familiar with. He's got all those guys that we just showed up there. So let him run. You know, it's just like uh, you know, there, there's that restaurant that just does phenomenally, so they uh, go and they, they start the chain, and they have the same decor in every other restaurant. They, they're not trying to, to reinvent it. You're trying to get uh, the same success you had previously. You're just relocating it. That's all you're doing right here. So back at OTAs, you're seeing him practice there. Even when he wasn't practicing, the day that I was there when he was down with that calf injury, he's standing behind the offense. Telling the quarterbacks, also telling the the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, hey, I want you here, I want you doing this, you got to run specifically, put your foot in the ground here, this is what I'm going to be looking for. He's got complete control of everything. So for Nathaniel Hackett to say that, yes, Aaron Rodgers will have his input and certainly had more input as he went along in Green Bay, I go back to, um, what year was it when Ben McAdoo took over the Giants and Eli Manning had to learn everything all over again, and I talked to him about having to relearn and reposition at this point of his career, and it was like, that was a good point of his career to relearn things. That's not the point that we're at with Aaron Rodgers here. We're not at the point where when Matt LaFleur came in, it was time for him to relearn things. No, we, we've got to hit this ground running as fast as we possibly can if we're the Jets.
5: You're talking about Aaron Rodgers you know, talking to the other players even when he's not practicing. I mean, what's the image up there behind uh, Sarah it- and Sean? It's him talking to an undrafted free agent, Travis Dye, whose backside is getting a lot more airtime than I think he probably was bargaining for when he tuned in on uh, Good Morning Football this morning. Listen, the short answer to this question, have they given him too much freedom, is no. What did you expect was going to happen? You sent everyone, (laughs) the owners, the team president, the GM, the head coach, to go out to California and you are selling him on coming to New York. It's like when you're dating someone and the relationship goes sour. So what do you do? You try to date someone who is as different as possible. Maybe this is going to work out differently. For Aaron Rodgers it was, what were his frustrations? And he always voiced, it was that I don't have enough input in what we're doing in Green Bay. On personnel, on scheme, on everything else. It was about communications. What are the Jets doing? We're communicating. We want to talk through everything. All these players, Alan Lazard and guys like that, they're not there just because of Aaron Rodgers. That's because of Nathaniel Hackett. They're going to run a certain style of offense. He wants people that he knows fits into this. But when you bring in an Aaron Rodgers, especially him, because he's a unique individual, you know you're getting the entire package. Part of that is bringing him into the conversation, getting the buy-in, not just from the, on the offense, because you already have that, because he's played in Hackett's scheme, but also everything else you're doing programmatically. This is what the Jets signed up for, and time will tell if it's all worth it for them.
3: We're hearing a common theme, and a lot of it isn't. Mike, you mentioned being out at practice and how he's talking to different positional groups, talking back to the running backs. Well, we had Bam Knight on Good Morning Football just a couple of weeks ago, and here's what he had to say about a certain running backs meeting he was in in a special guest appearance by none other than Aaron
6: Rodgers. It definitely feels (laughs) like we have another coach. I remember uh, his first meeting there. We're going through the install. Nobody knew he was in the room at all. He's sitting at the top of the auditorium. Then he just speaks out says, hat. Everybody looks back and it's Aaron. He's just sitting over everybody just kind of just questioning the players, asking why do you think we have this route with this concept and everything. Mm. So you could definitely feel like it's another coach's presence in the room with us once he's in there.
3: And all of these guys, too, are not annoyed by it. I mean, they welcome this. They're excited by it. They like it, at least right now, because everything is great, right, in the world of the Jets. But these are guys that are, are picking his brain like a sponge. We saw the same thing back in Tampa a couple years ago, the, that first year that Tom got there, especially guys were excited to learn from him. They were excited to n- know what he knew and what got him to the top of the mountain. And so I think we've seen it already being played out. Bam talked about just how involved this guy is going to be. He's in meetings that he doesn't even have to be in offering his opinion because he wants it to work out, right? He wants to have his hand on every little piece of this offense, and I don't think there's any issue with that. There shouldn't be.
4: I think the, the one way that this could go, if you start to get into this, you know, does the quarterback have too much freedom, is it's some kind of knock on the coach. That's not the case here at all. I mean, this is not Nathaniel Hacken saying, dude, I'm an offensive coordinator again. Like, help me out. I don't. It's no. not the case at all. It's, it's trust between... Hackett and Rodgers, that Rodgers is not going to overstep his bounds, whether with him or whether with the other players there as well. And it's also Rodgers trusting in Hackett. And we certainly have heard uh, Rodgers at length talk about what he believes in Nathaniel Hackett as a coach in this league. So that, that's part of this whole thing is the trust between those two. Yeah, let's
1: not get caught up on the, the whole freedom aspect of it right away. But the, as a quarterback, it's all about the communication that you have to have. So let's just go, you know, Saturday night, the night before a game in the hotel. Every quarterback sits with his receivers and goes over, here are our signals, all right? Here's what we're doing at the line of scrimmage. If I'm going to change things, you have to be on the same page. So it's not just that Aaron Rodgers has freedom to do what he wants, but that that freedom is going to be restricted by the knowledge of the guys around him. And do they understand, can they process at the same speed as Aaron Rodgers? Because when he breaks the huddle, he's immediately deciphering the code. What's going on here? What's going on there? If they don't see the same thing he's seeing, they're not going to be on the same page. It's going to be a hot mess. So he dealt with this last year with young young receivers in green. Bay he's got some young guys with the Jets too so there's going to be a lot more work for Aaron Rodgers to do to get these guys up to speed get them ready on game day to play fast the one thing that I will caution people is your expectations right now for the Jets and for Aaron Rodgers are that he's going to go out and light it up throw for 5,000 yards 40 yards a game last year he was with a lot of young receivers it was not a new offense it was not a new team do you know how many 300 yard games Aaron Rodgers had last year zero Hmm. not one so there is some work to be done, and, and that's part of it is he had young receivers, and he didn't, they weren't all on the same page. So he's got to do that. He's got to put in the time in training camp and OTAs and all that. And that's, he showed up for OTAs, which he didn't do last year did, with a yes. totally
5: new receiving core and a couple of rookies and no more Devontae Adams, which was a point of frustration internally for the Packers because we need you there. So what did he do this offseason? He showed up. We are going to get to September here. And I want you to look at the first six games on the Jets' schedule, home against the Bills, at Dallas, home against the Patriots, home against the Chiefs, at Denver, home against Philadelphia. Mm. You want to talk about trial by fire, Mm. all the talk, we're debating everything, too much freedom, not enough freedom, whatever these discussions are, (laughs) and we're going to keep doing it for months more. You're going to get to those games, and we're going to find out, and you know when the spotlight is shining on this situation, unlike anything else outside of maybe Dallas in the entire NFL. Whatever happens, it's going to be hype train one direction or the other.
3: (laughs) And that schedule is rough. Mm. Still to come on GMFB, the Titans quarterback group got a whole lot more crowded this offseason. So what's the best case scenario for them in 2023? We're going to discuss later on.
5: Plus, which AFC West team will give the Chiefs a run for their money in this season? Our division checklists are next right here on Good Morning Football. What What a a bump. Yeah, look at you. See, just give me a shot.
3: It's time for another edition of The Checklist as the new season quickly approaches. What's our countdown? We still
5: 26 days? Twenty, Yeah, 27 days till most teams are playing. Like I less. can't remember ish? what day it is. It's Wednesday. We're right. on it. Yeah, cut me some
3: <laughs> We're going to break down the teams in a specific division every day this week. Lay out what they need to do to find success in 2023. It is The Checklist and today we're focusing on the AFC West. So Tom, let's start with you and the Chargers.
5: The L.A. Chargers. Chargers, number one thing for the 2023 season, show me, stay healthy. Look back at last season. They went 10 and 7, they made the playoffs, they almost won a playoff game, but so many of their top players. We're not on the field for it. Let's see the board here if some of the games missed. Keenan Allen missed seven games. Mike Williams missed five games. Jalen Guyton, another receiver, missed almost the entire season with a big-time knee injury. Rashawn Slater, one of the best young offensive tackles in the game, missed almost the entire season with a biceps injury. J.C. Jackson was one of the big scores in free agency, missed almost the whole season. And then Joey Bosa, One of the dominant pass rushers in the league. One of the most important positions on a team, Sean, outside of the quarterback position. I would say it is left tackle. It is pass rusher. They didn't have either of those guys almost the entire time. I know they made some changes on the medical side through the course of this offseason. Maybe that's going to pay some dividends. The Chargers always seem like the team that's getting hit hard with injuries. Guys don't get back as quickly. Stay healthy. That's going to give you a shot. Number two on the list for the 2023 Chargers, Justin and Kellen sitting in a tree, P-A-S-S-I-N-G. That's right, it's Justin Herbert, Kellen Moore. They got to be on the same page. Kellen Moore had a lot of really good offenses in Dallas. Brandon Staley jumped all over when it became available after the Cowboys decided to move in a different direction from a play-calling perspective here. Justin Herbert, one of the top young quarterbacks in the NFL. Hasn't gotten over that hump in terms of winning a playoff game yet. He may well get a new contract before the start of this season, but it's about winning and winning big. They're staying in Justin Herbert's language. That should help the transition here. They're going to be doing a lot of different things schematically, philosophically through the course this offseason. Unlock even more of Justin Herbert. And finally, beat the Chiefs. They've been close. Mahomes versus Herbert five times during Herbert's career so far. All five games, one score games. All five featured a lead change in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs in those five games have outscored the Chargers by a grand total of nine points. They're Mm. 4-1, and but these are all close games. You can make the argument, and Brandon Staley did it when I spoke to him last week, of saying this is one of the best rivalries in the NFL right now. The Chargers have not gotten past the Chiefs. Obviously, knocking off the best team, the reigning champs, the reigning NFL MVP is a tall task, and that's something the Chargers are going to have to deal with as long as Patrick Mahomes is in the division. But beat the Chiefs. That's what it's ultimately all about here, not just in terms of the AFC West division, but also potential playoff matchups somewhere down the line.
3: All All right, Sean, you're up.
1: All right, that's the only time that the Chargers are in front of the Chiefs. All right. The Chiefs are my team right now and to your point the nine points that they've lost those five games in I'm pretty sure Brandon Staley is going to go for two every single time. All right, the Chiefs, here is my three-point checklist right here for the defending Super Bowl champions. Number one, they got to beat Detroit in week 1. That's going to be a fun game to watch, but this is tackle football. I'm not talking about ball carriers. I'm talking about protecting the quarterback. The Chiefs went on and won the Super Bowl last year and then replaced both tackles this year. All right, we've got Donovan Smith the perennial left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For for a bunch of years, won a Super Bowl, has a ton of starts under his belt, only gave up one sack last season. And then at right tackle, Jawan Taylor, they signed from Jacksonville, gave him a huge deal. There was a little point in time where we weren't sure if Jawan was going to play left or not, and then they signed Donovan, so now he'll, Jawan will probably be at right tackle very athletic tackle great hands but if you're Patrick Mahomes it's wow just a couple years ago we completely remorphed our entire offensive line replaced all five of them and now we got to replace the tackle so they've got to figure out that situation and make Mahomes comfortable number two big play Bolden Nick Bolden had an unbelievable season last year He was second in the league in tackles with 180. He might have been their defensive MVP. He certainly was the defensive MVP from the Super Bowl. Bold's got to have a great season, back it up. And then let's go back to the offense now, all right? We know Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league right now. Who's he throwing to? Who's his number one receiver? Look, Travis Kelsey is his tight end. We know that's his go-to guy. But at some point, defense are going to say, you're not going to be able to throw the ball to Kelsey. Somebody's got to step up. Is it Tony? I don't know. It feels good. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That looks good. Is it Sky Moore? Is he going to be stepping up? Is it MBS right there making that acrobatic catch? He's made a couple nice catches in OTAs as well. So somebody's got to step up. I don't think it's wide receiver by committee, but somebody's going to have to step up and be that number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes on third and nine. When Kelsey's not an option, who am I going to? That's who's got to figure out. There's my one, two, three right there. For the defending Super Bowl champions, can't wait to see them lower that banner again. And, of course, I'm sure they'll pay homage to Norma Hunt, who we lost this year as well.
4: Yep, yep. Good job, Sean. I've got the Denver Broncos, and most times with a new head coach, I'd say, look, this team's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, th- this team's got a shot. That there's enough pieces they can make the playoffs. But getting there, and even more important, stop the cha- – beat the Chiefs. And it's more urgent for the Broncos than it is for the Chargers. I had research check this like three times. They just have to triple it. As a matter of fact, while I'm talking research, you can check it again. Fifteen in a row? The Chiefs have beaten the Broncos 15 in a row. Is that still correct? I'm waiting for them to tell me in my ear because I still don't believe it. Sean Payton, I talked about It's correct, they said. Sean Payton, <laughs> I talked about this yesterday. I said, Sean Payton has arrived. He's going to win some games against the Chiefs in the coming years. That is of the utmost urgency for the Denver Broncos here. Number two, Broncos country. Let's run. They were, what, 21st in the league rushing-wise last year. That is not going to work for Russell Wilson. He needs a running game that he can work off of. Sean Payton, when he was the coach of the Chiefs, uh, Saints, excuse me, uh, one, two, three, four, five. the last six years he was the coach, they were ranked in the top half of the league in rushing attack. I know we think of him and Drew Brees throwing the ball all over the place, but running the football was a big part of what Payton did in New Orleans. Got to be a big part of what he does in Denver. Number three, Vance, have the time of your life. For real this time, Vance Joseph back as the defensive coordinator, said it wasn't uh, anything that would stop him from taking this job, having been the head coach of the Denver Broncos before. In fact, he said he talked to Wade Phillips recently. Wade was the head coach of the Broncos, came back as the defensive coordinator, won a title as defensive coordinator of Denver. Wade telling him, follow uh, in my footsteps. So that side of the ball is going to be big for the Denver Broncos. Not just about Sean Payton's offense, Vance Joseph's defense as well. We love you, Sergio. it was less ride. Yeah, well.
3: He's changing
4: it. You know you see what I'm doing there? Yeah, let's ride is run too. Yeah.
3: I'm going to wrap things up with the Raiders and their 2023 checklist for success. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows what's probably going on top here. At number one, let's go the Jimmy Gamble pays off. And I know what everyone's going to say. Okay, there's injury issues. It's all we talk about when it comes to Jimmy G. And then, oh, what happened this offseason? We've got some injury issues and injury questions. However, let's just say that Jimmy's healthy. And on the checklist, they need this to happen. Jimmy's working his way back. The last time Jimmy played an entirely full healthy season, it was 2019. In 2021, though, he missed just one game. And I think so much of it is about Jimmy's not on the field and Jimmy's in the, the system and it's not Jimmy. But at the end of the day, if Jimmy's on the field and we're going to pretend this is on the checklist, he's going to be on the field, he's going to play, Jimmy wins. So I'm so tired of hearing all the arguments about Jimmy wins, but Jimmy wins. What do you want out of your quarterback? You want him to throw for 400 yards a game and have an average record? Jimmy wins football games. He's 44-19 and 19 as a starter. So what is he bringing to Las Vegas? He is a quarterback that knows how to win games. How about number two? Jimmy doesn't have to do it all himself. You know why? Because on this checklist would be Josh Jacobs cashes in. And, you know, Mike G's little stat there, about 15 in a row, Chiefs over the Broncos, it's unbelievable. Is it also – unbelievable to say that Josh Jacobs might quietly be the league's leading rusher. It seems like he's underrated, and yet this is a guy that led the league. and yeah. He's still running runs, on the Seahawks. and rushing over 1,600 yards it's last season. Run. And for some reason, I feel like he still doesn't get the, the, the respect that he is due. Jimmy G doesn't have to do everything. Hand this guy the football. This guy has yet another Josh Jacobs season. They're in really good shape. And then number three, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How about give me three aces? We know what Max Crosby can do. We know what Chandler Jones can do and then they go out and draft this guy Tyree Wilson 7th overall at a Texas A&M. Everything on him, he is a beast. Put him on the field, unleash him with the other two and this is a trio that could wreck havoc on quarterbacks across the National Football League. Give me the Raiders, give me this checklist, give me these guys taking some quarterbacks down. Here's my free 3 for the Raiders. Mike, what's your favorite
5: wow.
4: Crosby, Jones, and Wilson song? <laughs> <laughs> sweet, uh, sweet Joshy Blue Eyes? I don't know.
3: You're watching Good Morning Football. Titans second year quarterback Malik Willis posted this on Instagram. It's going to get so crazy when that script flips. This offseason, Willis is competing with both veteran quarterback Ryan Tannehill and rookie Will Levis for the starting role. Most people don't expect Willis to win that starting role, so it's up to him to flip that script of his own destiny. This makes for sort of a weird quarterback room, right, because Tannehill knows that they just continue to draft guys after they took Malik and then they took Levis. What is the best case scenario for the Titans quarterback situation this season, Mike?
4: I would say that Will Levis uh, uses what happened on draft night. We had Ryan Leaf here the day after the first round. He said the winner of the first round was Will Levis for not being drafted because the expectations aren't going to be that high. And then he could then uh, capitalize on the fact that, yeah, you're a second round pick and you're not going to be under the weight of those expectations. To me, it's not about the weight of the expectations. It's about how this young man responds. Do you use this moment to motivate you, and not just this moment, but the reaction when he was finally drafted and you saw this right there, you saw the emotion. All right. Can you channel that, and can you start to uh, show people that they all made a mistake by passing on you in the first round? I think that's the best-case scenario if you start to see that from Will Levis this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, you could see the pain right there and the surprise of not getting drafted. Imagine if we had a video camera in Ryan Tannehill's house. <laughs> (laughs) Two years in a row they drafted a quarterback. Imagine what kind of emotions he was probably going through. Look, I'm all in on Ryan Tannehill having a great season, and I think when you look at what Ryan Tannehill, what he's done with the play-action passing game, yes, of course, Derrick Henry is a huge part of that, but nobody's been better than Ryan Tannehill in the play-action passing game. I I think the big thing for Tannehill has just been, like, can he stay healthy? So since he's been in Tennessee, he's been a totally different quarterback, basically jump-started his career. I think he's got a lot left in him. You know, now he's got a, a young buck in Traylon Burks who's got to step up. Obviously, the AJ Brown trade uh, initiated that last year. But for Ryan Tannehill, I think the the best case scenario for him is he plays all 17 games, and they have a, they find a way to win the division, riding Derek Henry and that play-action passing game.
5: Ryan Tannehill's career has been left for dead before. Back in 2019. The Dolphins actually paid him $5 million of his salary to get the Titans to take him for a future fourth-round draft pick. He goes in there. Marcus Mariota gets benched in October, and Tannehill won about three-quarters of his starts over the next three seasons before, obviously, last year was really rocky from everyone's perspective, and he missed a bunch of time with injuries. So, I'm with Sean here. The best-case scenario is that Ryan Tannehill comes in and is motivated and plays really well. He then gets paid come next March because he's in a contract year. will Levis and Malik Willis get some more time to develop behind the scenes, and maybe one of those guys takes over in 2024.
3: Let's take a look at the quarterbacks that the Titans have had since the Steve McNair era. I was working in Nashville back in the day when McNair was there, and since then, look at all these names. Six of the guys. Rusty list, Smith. Way, Who
4: is Rusty Smith? Six
3: of the guys oh, on this list were top Zach 10 Mettenberger. picks.
4: Mettenberger with and the then
1: mustache. I started
3: thinking maybe what's the best case scenario for the Titans' quarterback? How about DeAndre Hopkins joining the team? That could help a Titans' oh. quarterback situation there. That was Gonna be my answer. We got much more GMFB coming up after
6: this.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower.
7: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door Cinema Club. Good
3: morning, football. A couple weeks back, the Good Morning Football game actually was discussing football, and they sorted teams into tiers by conference. Here's how they broke down the NFC into big dogs, into hovering to be
7: determined, and shock the world. We are putting teams into categories, and now NFC buckle up.
6: The Eagles are in the top tier. Yes. We'll see if they have any company. Lions hovering, Jason. They're 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 here. <laughs> they yeah, right, so sure they're right be in the middle. They're right ready? in the middle. All
1: right. We'll know early in the season if they're creeping there, they're
6: right where they're at. Big, big, dogs. big dogs. Big dogs. These guys are big dogs. No we we don't have a bleeping clue who their quarterback is. And we're like, oh, Lancer Purdy, it might be Darnold, and it doesn't even matter there. The big Big dogs. It feels good.
7: Giants hat is staring at me. I, I, I can't handle it. In determine and... because I'm looking at this and I know what happened in January and this is bothering me.
6: <sighs> I feel comfortable right now. Me too. There's nothing that really pains me.
3: So here's how it all shook out. They had the Eagles and the Niners named the big dogs. In that hovering category, we've got the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Giants. Still to be determined, how about the Lions, the Saints, and the Rams? And then shock the world. Here's the teams at the bottom. The Commanders, the pa- How long has it been since the Packers have been in that category? The Bears, the Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, and Cardinals so oh, the Bears and Falcons merge like the Steagles. <laughs> we we're running out of room Happening there uh, which one of the teams that we just showed you looks out of place in the category that they were put in Sean
1: yeah it's interesting to me that we just have two teams as the big dogs. so we got the Niners and the Eagles and I, I just look at it from a team standpoint. I forget about the playoff mishaps. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys belong at that big dog table. And and when you look at what they've got on offense and and on defense, this team is loaded. They, They should absolutely, I mean, this division should come down to the Eagles and the Cowboys based on rosters alone when you just look at them on paper and then adding that guy Stephon Gilmore adding Brandon Cooks the you know you've added two impact players on both sides of the ball I I have no reason to believe the Cowboys aren't going to be better this year Tyron Smith missed 13 games last year ended up filling in they played with a rookie left tackle at times uh in Tyron Smith so uh I think that they're going to be better. And I also feel like they belong at the big dog table because, you know, look, Cowboys fans, they know just like all big dogs, they love to lick themselves. But Cowboys (laughs) fans are constantly doing that. And then in the end, they end up just peeing on themselves like a lot of big dogs do. Whoa. I don't know. I don't have any of these
3: analogies in my analysis. Mike, what do you got?
4: (laughs) Not that. That's for sure. Somebody's going to win the NFC South, right? (laughs) Somebody's going to make the playoffs. So that, by sheer factor of making the playoffs and hosting a game, hosting a game, they're going to be hovering, right? And I think the New Orleans Saints, at least, I, I understand the to be determined categorization, but I think they should be in. I mean, I just look at this is the easiest schedule in the league, and I know people are cringing. Dennis Allen is saying, "Shut up, Mike, don't say that." And I see talent all over this roster, and I'm I'm seeing a team that's going to win a division. So at least put them hovering. I'm not saying big dog and boy because of that schedule they're going to host a bunch of playoffs just but at least hovering to me they should be up in that tier
3: for me if you look at expectations and I actually think that they they did a really good job with these tiers but if you're going to just measure where the expectations are I mean, people are saying the Lions could go to the Super Bowl so I would bump them up into hovering I mean the the hype look hype doesn't win you anything especially at this time of year but it's all we have right now with how many days out till training camp 27 We we, we keep going with that Um, But look, the expectations are sky high for the Detroit team that came on really strong last year. Uh, They were great at the end of the season. They're favored to win this division for the first time since 1993. Wow! Uh, that is the that is how long it has been for the Detroit Lions. So you would think by just a, a process of elimination, when you think about those numbers, they, their time has to come up at some time. But it does feel like their time is now. This is a team that went five and one in the division a year ago. Um, they were really, really good. Uh, I think they are expected to be, obviously, even better. So if I had to move somebody up or say someone's out of place, I would, I would take the lines up to that hovering category. I'm
5: trying to figure out the criteria for how we established uh, a lot of this list. I would say one that jumps out at me is the Panthers in the Shock the World category. I personally wouldn't be shocked at all if they win the NFC South. Just look at what they've done. Obviously, they trade up to number one. They take Bryce Young. He was the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. He's accurate. He's a quick processor. He's a really mature guy. He's the one quarterback in this entire group who you said, okay, he can step in immediately. As long as you can get comfortable with the fact that he's not the biggest guy, not the biggest arm, he's going to be able to function. And what did they do? Scott Fitterer, Frank Reich. They got a bunch of veterans around them. They signed Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, DJ Chark, and they brought in a coach in Reich, Frank Reich, who you would think Based upon his track record, we'll be able to get them up to speed quickly because the Colts were very competitive in Frank Reich's first season as well. They've been building through the lines there. They've really upgraded the offensive line. they got guys like Brian Burns on defense, who is a potential difference maker as well. I have no idea who's going to win the NFC South. I really don't know. I think it's telling that we've got from the division one team in to be determined and three in shock the world. But to me, the Panthers are much closer to, however you want to define it, the to be determined type of a category just because – They were built last year playing with P.J. Walker, and they still won a bunch of games down the stretch under an interim
3: coach. They almost got in the playoffs last year. They took it to the Bucs at the end of the season. And that actually perfectly sets up our next question. Which team has the best chance to shock the world, Mike?
4: Well, now that Tom answered the previous one the way that he did, maybe I'm answering this wrong. Because, like, if you're asking me which of those teams I think could jump up, I'm probably going to go the Packers. But I don't know that that shocks me. But if the Bears jumped up and won the NFC North and made their way into the postseason, because I don't think a lot of folks are looking at the Chicago Bears saying, well, this is a complete product. With the Packers, if Jordan Love hits, like that to me is a complete product. But the Bears have enough here, and I'm looking at this game, and I referenced this game last year. This is the last game that the Bears won last season. It was a Monday night game in New England that pushed them to 3-4, and four, and if I had told you that night, that this team's not going to win another game for the rest of the season. You say, that's no way, because they were dominant in this game on a night where Bill Belichick, I believe, was going to equal George Halas for the uh, coaching record. This was a dominant performance. This this showed me that there's something there, and there's something there almost ready to jump up and potentially shock the world. So I'm going Bears for the shock the world category. If they can bottle that that they showed New England that night and put it on display a couple of times this year, I think that they could shock the world.
1: Yeah, reading is fundamental. I'm pretty sure you're reading that wrong. There's like, so you're saying which (laughs) team is most likely to shock the world. The Bears are probably the least likely of that whole group. All right, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I I think when you look at the Green Bay Packers, yes, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is not there, but that is the best team. Take the quarterback out of it. The, the remaining parts, the offensive and defensive players, I think Green Bay Packers have an unbelievable roster. Their defense is loaded. They've got a ton of young talent. They keep adding to it that I think when you when you look at offensively, There's been nothing but praise for Jordan Love. And, yes, he has not played a lot of football in the regular season. But while Aaron Rodgers was skipping out on all those OTAs in minicamp, it was Jordan Love running with the ones. It was Jordan Love getting all those reps. So I think he's going to hit the ground running. And I think this offense is going to be a lot better than a lot of people expect. This is not a rookie quarterback. This is not a quarterback that doesn't understand the offense, doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's got great great command. And so I think the Packers have the best chance out of that entire group. I
5: mean, the Packers probably belong in the to-be-determined category just because they've got a really good coach in Matt LaFleur, who, based on his first few seasons at the helm, has one of the best coaching records of all time. Obviously, he had Aaron Rodgers for that time. They do still have some of those core parts in place. Christian Watson really came on the second half of last season. You had Aaron Jones, obviously, who's still there, along with A.J. Dillon. You kind of know what they're going to be offensively. Well, yeah, they're going to be counting on some of those young, unproven players to step into to bigger roles here. But the parallels with Aaron Rodgers when he took over and Jordan Love are so close. And Matt LaFleur has really... Tried to keep the expectations in check here in terms of, okay, like, there's a growth process. You know, yeah, we've seen him in practice, which is why they have the confidence to move forward with Jordan Love. But he's played, what, a game and a half? Well, Aaron Rodgers also took over in year four. He really only played a game, game and a half at that point. What did the Packers do in 2008? They went 6-10. and 10. It was 2009 they took the huge leap forward. 2010 they won the Super Bowl. Maybe it's a similar type of path for Jordan Love here, but that's another team that another division that I think is wide open. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Packers are in it.
3: You already talked about the Saints you've talked about. The Panthers shock the world. I'm going to go another team in that division and it just speaks to how open that division is in the NFC South. I'll go with the Atlanta Falcons. This is a team that's been really quiet for a long time. Maybe that's the, the nice way of saying it, but this offseason, we really have seen Arthur Smith double down on Desmond Ritter and say, Desmond Ritter's our guy, and I have to believe that that's because something that Arthur Smith, who everyone who talks about Arthur talks about just how smart he is and what an offensive mind he is, and he looks at Desmond Ritter and says, this guy is the quarterback. We're not testing the Free agent market here whatsoever. And then you've got a young, young core of talented guys around him. You've got Kyle Pitts, who's an up-and-comer. You've got Drake Lennon. Now you add Bijan Robinson, who a lot of people think could potentially be the offensive rookie of the year there. They've added Clayus Campbell over on defense. Jesse Bates. This is a team that seems like it could be poised to break out. And again, I you know, I, I made the comment to you about the Panthers. Well, you know, they almost got in. Well, realistically, everybody in that division almost got in. The Falcons, I feel like they were the least talked about maybe in that division. Uh, the Panthers were talked about because they had so much going on, and you still had Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the reality is, is the Falcons were one game out because everybody yeah. in six that and eight. Was everybody everybody was in it. Everybody was in it, but it just feels like the Falcons have been poised. Like I could see them having this breakout season that I think the Atlanta fan base has been ready for now for quite some time. Still to come here on GMF: Can the Eagles' defense overcome their off-season losses and make another Super Bowl run? We've got defensive end Janarius Robinson joining us later to discuss.